there's not a magic bullet. There's not some, some answer that's like, I have the, I have the ticket, (laughs) you know, it's like you said, eat real food, exclamation point, exclamation point, and listen to your body. I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title, and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you want to hear in-depth stories about women's lives. On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hi, and welcome back everyone to another episode of the podcast. And I'm really excited to be continuing the conversation this week about our theme of women and health this month. So I've got a really special guest for you all today. Her name is Chef Maria Cooper. She is an author, nourishment coach, dance teacher, and executive chef who is passionate about creating nutrient-dense, vibrant dishes that nurture the body and the soul. Maria is the author of Heartful Kitchen, a cookbook for everybody, which if you missed last week's episode on the podcast, I mentioned it's one of my all-time favorite cookbooks. I use it every single week in my home, and it's a great place to get started if you're feeling like you're in a little bit of a food rut or you just like some fresh new ideas about how to prepare really wholesome meals for you and or your loved ones. And Maria is really a rare human being. She's incredibly gifted with creating unbelievably delicious and healthy meals. I've had the pleasure of eating her food more than once. And as you'll hear about in our interview today, she shares openly about her journey with a number of health diagnoses that ultimately led her to need to embrace a natural foods diet and make her life's work around helping and supporting other people to get really healthy and empowered in their relationship to food and cooking. So this conversation touches on everything from mindfulness to healing our relationship with food to some many practical ideas about how to support yourself if you're feeling like you could use a little bit more oomph or Uh, a boost to your nutritional intake and where to get started. So I highly recommend this episode. And I'll also just say that Maria is a really incredible woman. And I myself have worked with her for my birthday last year. My mom actually gifted me with several sessions with Maria to do some personal coaching work because I was feeling like I was in a little bit of a food rut. And Having just a few sessions with Maria was an amazing gift and really helped me to just kind of get back in the saddle around feeling inspired and creative and empowered in my relationship to food and cooking and also providing that for my family. So I couldn't recommend her work more as well as her cookbook. I hope you enjoy this conversation and I look forward to connecting next week. 
Welcome, Maria. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you about women and food, because as you know, I'm just such a huge fan of of your food and also your deep knowledge and wisdom around the subject of nutrition. Mm, Thanks so much, Emma. So I'd love to start today, you know, listeners got to hear about the work that you do in the world and about your background, but I'd love to start a little bit more personally, as I often do on the show, and just hear about how it is that you came to be so interested in food and nutrition in your life and sort of some of the important steps that led you to where you are today. Sure. So, you know, I actually cooked a lot with my grandmother growing up. My grandmother was Lebanese and lived to be a hundred. And we had, we had an amazing time during the summers. I would go there and we would cook together and, you know, using, using everything from scratch. And I cooked a lot with my mom and my aunt and, you know, growing up, I, I got into, into psychology when I was in college and I, I graduated with a psychology degree and women's studies. And I ended up working in the field for a while doing drug and alcohol counseling, but I ended up just having such a passion for food and going into culinary school, working in the field. But I ended up getting quite sick after working in the field for um, several months, just sort of overdoing it, having a, um, I think actually now looking back, I think I had a, an autoimmune reaction, but technically I had a, a reaction to a pharmaceutical drug at the time. I got quite sick, had to quit my job. And I, my neighbor was a natural food chef and we, we ended up growing a bunch of food together where I was living and he gave me a job um, delivering fresh juice with him and delivering organic food. And it was sort of this gift from God. And long story short, he, um, he turned me on to organic food and this was in Boulder. And um, it was quite a thing. We ended up opening a restaurant together in Boulder that was all organic food and juice. And from there, you know, the next couple years, I ended up opening a couple different, helping to open up a couple different restaurants, both here in Boulder and um, in Spain, both of which were, you know, very natural foods based, organic food based. And I just kind of, by the grace of God, kind of uh, got very inspired by special diet needs, um, gluten-free, dairy-free, um, organic food, you know, inspired by my own need of eating very clean. And then folks started asking me questions about food. And so the health journey and my professional chef journey became very intertwined. Um, It wasn't one or the other, you know, my physical challenges along the way continued in forming my career. When I got back from Spain, I, I ended up, you know, after, after some restaurant jobs along the way, I, I ended up working at the Highland City Club for 
10 years, actually. I was the executive chef there and it was just the perfect fit for me. I got to be incredibly creative and, you know, it was, it was a wonderful place to be. The menu changed all the time and, and I was able to create the menu, sourcing food from local places. It was organic. And, um, there was a doctor there, Dr. Tusek, and he inspired me to start just one day we were chatting. He inspired me to, um, write a cookbook, um, and actually start this coaching business. I'm kind of lumping this all into, to a very brief story, but from there, that's how everything kind of grew into what I'm doing now. And I left city club December, 2020 and, and I'm doing what I'm doing now, which is mainly coaching. And, um, I teach dance as well. So that's my life. And everything is kind of, you know, it's interesting how the physical body is so connected to, to health and, and food. And it's all, you know, it's all sort of one, like injuring my ankle as a dance teacher forced me to finally sit down and finish the cookbook, you know, having an autoimmune flare up eight years ago made me really tighten up my diet. Like I didn't have a choice. So that's when I decided to make the cookbook have such a, um, anti-inflammatory focus. Um, so it's just kind of happened that way. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I, I was getting so many images as you were speaking and I love thinking about you with your grandmother and, yeah, and just all the different twists and turns. Did you, were you a part of Anju? Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite places to eat in my early days in Boulder. Yeah, so Anju was started by Craig King, who was my, he was like an angel in my life. And um, he was the guy who lived next door to me. And uh, he <laughs> he started Anju. He was like the juice king. and And I did the food there. Yeah, it was for anybody who's not local to here or who doesn't remember, it was just this really incredible place. I remember walking in and I have this, my dad always jokes, I have this sixth sense for quality food. So like I know where to find the best food no matter what city I walk into. And when I would walk in there, I'm like, oh, my whole body would relax because I just knew that it was full of nutrition and beauty and health, everything that you guys were creating there. It was one of my favorite places. That's so cool that you knew that place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. So, you know, I love so many things about your work. I was actually talking about your, your cookbook on the podcast last week, and it's, I go to it every single week for help with my food and nutrition needs. And one of the things I love so much about your work is how you incorporate this component of mindfulness into, you know, the food, the food preparation, the eating. And I'm wondering if you can share with us just a little more in depth about how you view food as a pillar of health and how you approach these aspects of your life in a day-to-day -day way. Sure. Well, I think that, you know, I'm going to get a little practical with answering you. Please and do. 
<laughs> and um, and then kind of go into the broader. So I think that, you know, we have to set ourselves or I'll speak personally. I have to set myself up for success because I think that food, <clears throat> we are what we eat, right? And so there's a lot that we enjoy about life. There's a lot that... I get out of my weeks. Like I, I love to um, move my body. I love to connect with my partner. I love to get on the phone with my sister and get on the phone with my mom and really be able to have my brain be functioning so I can connect with them and be alive to the conversation, work with my clients on Zoom or work with them in person and be aware of what's going on and not be foggy. And so <clears throat> when I'm not eating well, I it's not possible or it's not possible to the degree that's right for me. So in order to do that, I have to have food in my fridge ready and it has to be food that is, uh, that's right for me. And what that looks like is vegetables that are, that are prepared, um, protein that's ready for me and generally like a delicious sauce to make things interesting. I don't need more than one sauce a week. So with the vegetables, I, I like, I prefer steamed vegetables. Sometimes I have roasted vegetables that have you know, a very small amount of oil on them, but everybody, you know, to each their own with that. And we could go into more depth, but with the protein, it could be grilled meats or roasted meats, or, you know, for ease, you could pick up organic rotisserie chicken or um, wild salmon and cook it simply smoked salmon, things like that. Um, leaning towards local foods when possible, you know, here in Boulder, we have such an incredible variety of local meats and, uh, local vegetables this time of the year. So, so that's wonderful. And then when we fill our bodies with these sorts of, of things, vegetables, proteins, healthy fats, in the form of a delicious sauce that you make, in the form of um, organic nuts, avocados, things like that. We are creating a nutrient-dense backdrop in our body, a landscape that's going to um, fuel us for our life, you know, for the output, for the work that we do in the world, um, for connection, for love in our life. Um, and then when we're doing this, when we're living this way, it's easier to be practicing eating as mindfulness, you know, to practice this mindfulness practice. When we eat sugar and empty carbs, I will say it's virtually impossible to practice mindfulness because we're on this addictive spiral. And so does that make sense? Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. I think the the practice of food for fuel, when people are going through this process of getting these real nutrient-dense foods in their system, it's helpful to think of a food for fuel process or time period. Um, Can you and, break that down for us? Like, what does that mean when you say food for fuel? Well, food for fuel versus um, I just want to eat what I want right? Food for fuel is like, it takes something. It takes something from a deep desire inside of like, I want to, I want to connect more deeply to myself. I want to be more 
vital inside. Like if you're generally used to eating packaged foods, even if they're like organic packaged foods, um, you might not feel so hot. You might not feel so, you might have some symptoms like brain fog or um, tiredness or some gut symptoms that aren't so savory. Um, so I, plenty of other things I could mention. So one, one thing I suggest to clients is like, let's do this protein, veggie, healthy fat thing. It's not a cleanse. Cleanses are temporary. That's at least from my, you know, cleanse has an expiration date. Whole 30 is a great idea, but 30 is 30 days, right? So this is like a, a way of, of life is eating this way to, um, to really live a more vital way. And it's not a diet. It's a, it's a living way. Mm-hmm. I love that term, a living way. It feels so holistic and also, um, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it feels like there's a feminine quality mm. to it. You know, it's like, it's a 360 of life and it's a way of being the way that we might be with our yoga or meditation practice or the practice Beautiful. of our relationships. You know, it's, it's a path, not, not a, you know, a quick fix or something you're done with in a few days or weeks. Yeah. And it's, it's neat. Cause I've never thought about it that way. And it's very common that, uh, that women are bringing this, you know, they're, they're bringing this desire to really, um, up level something in the household, the inspiration. I mean, I've had plenty of, of, uh, men clients that are wanting to, to do this in the household as well, but generally it is, it is the woman. And because it's coming from this nourishing beautiful, uh, nurturing. I mean, we just had mother's day, right. And it's like, that's something that we offer as women. We offer this love, this, yeah, nourishment thing. And that's great. We can get worn down (laughs) by, by doing so, but yeah, totally. So, so if we take a step back, Maria, I'm curious about, you know, I think a lot about, um, the foundations of health and also trying to simplify things both for myself and the women I'm supporting. And I'm wondering for you, when it comes to feeling healthy, what are some of the four to five core foundations or pillars that you focus on in your own life? Sure. So I came up with five and I, um, I'll give them to you and then I'll kind of break them down. The first one is awareness. And the second one is calming the nervous system. The third one is breaking down and rebuilding. The fourth one is food and supplementation. And the fifth one is love and connection. And so with awareness as the first core foundation for health is awareness of where one is with regard to physical, emotional, psycho-spiritual awareness, right? Such as, do I need food? Do I need to move my body? Do I need rest? Do I need to speak to my partner? Do I need to speak with my children, right? Um, Like, where am I? And I think the ways that we do this is like connecting with our breath, um, knowing ourselves, 
being in an ongoing practice of knowing ourselves through journaling or through whatever process that is. Sometimes taking space from the outer, the outer being taking space from friends or taking space from our partner or work, even if it's 10 minutes or going on a weekend, you know, with ourselves. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in having a, a morning practice to connect with ourselves. Also staying connected with our body, knowing where I am and doing what I can to consciously move down out of my head, having tools to get back in touch with my body. And yes, this is exercise, but it's also other ways as well. Yoga, breathing, um, listening to music, coming into primal rhythm. It's different for everyone. So awareness, I think, is one of the core foundations. The second one for me is calming the nervous system through rest, relaxation, and connection with nature. Um, so sleeping, downtime, meditation, um, so calming the nervous system, I find, is, is actually a different one from awareness. I found that as, as important to separate. Um, connection with nature being hugely important. And as we, you know, in modern times, I think we're, we're losing that. And, and the connection of health to that is, is, um, is big. So breaking down and rebuilding. So exercise, stress, and work are all processes of sort of breaking down the body, right? You know, in exercise, we, we break down our muscle fibers. In stress, we sort of stress our bodies um, when the nervous system's stressed. And when we work, when we do our work in the world, we sort of output because it's the outer. All of those, we're giving, we're giving something. And in exercise, it takes strength. With exercise, we have to be responsible. We have to connect with our core. It's enjoyable though, right? It's, it's good to be consistent with, with exercise. All of these things we need to rebuild. So there's the breaking down, there's the rebuilding. There's a rebuilding with food, rebuilding with protein. It's really important. It's rebuilding with hydration, being responsible for our beings, resting. Um, I'm a big believer in heat, heat therapy with baths, with saunas, things like that. So I think the process of breaking down the body and rebuilding is, is a very important core principle. Um, the fourth one is food and supplementation. Food is, you know, a big part of what we're talking about today. So I don't need to go into it too much. But I also think that supplementation is crucial with, um, you know, the quality of the soil that our vegetables are grown in, our animals that are eating this, this soil that is, is not as nutrient dense as it should be. Um, I do believe that everyone should be supplementing their diet. And then the last one is love and connection you know, connecting with, with others, this, this deep need to connect with each other, to feel, to feel part of something greater is, um, and also spiritual connection is, is another very important core foundation. I love all of those. Thank you for breaking that down for us. And 
I'm particularly struck by this whole concept of breaking down and rebuilding and how I'm I'm kind of obsessed with paradox in in just in human life and my work and sort of how we can't escape it, right? And it's like every single day we're both breaking ourselves down and rebuilding ourselves and regenerating. And and of course, I think with modernity, sometimes we're going to the breakdown more than the rebuilding. But I I I want to highlight this for listeners that it's so critical that we're finding practices of rebuilding or refueling, regenerating, because the demands are so great. They're greater in certain ways than they've ever been in human history. I mean, not in other ways, but um, with technology and the information age, it's there's a lot of output and a lot of stimulation. Yeah, and there's there's really powerful ways that we can focus on rebuilding, you know, both in like muscularly there's ways, but, you know, from after, after intense workouts, but also with our, with our minds, you know, being overstimulated by technology and spending too much time on screens and things like that. Like there's things that we can do, but we have to be aware back to awareness of like shifting the focus and coming back into this self-care focus of like, gosh, I really need this. I really need to rebuild. Um, I need to, to take care of myself. This idea of, um, of giving, of giving back to myself instead of just being on the, on the go, go, go. And on the, on the give, give, give too. Like we give so much, especially as women. Um, and, and sometimes we do so from a fairly empty cup. Totally. I, I really appreciate you bringing this up. And it's such a it's such an edge ongoingly for me, especially now that I'm a mother. But the the ways that I can keep fooling myself into thinking that I can just produce like have the flow of energy going out as the, as opposed to the flow of energy energy coming back in. And it's such a delicate dance, I think, for so many of us as women. And we're going to be in that flow of some days being way out and other days, you know, having more for ourselves. And then how can we um, come back, just come back in for a day to sort of rebalance? Because we're rarely just going to be balanced. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So, Okay, so if we go a little bit more back to the food specifically, I wanted to ask you, you know, I feel like food is such an area of confusion and information overload for us as women. And there's a lot of baggage there. And oftentimes I think there's just so much hype, you know, it's like keto is the best thing or paleo or vegan or there's all these diet protocols. But how do you recommend that we start to actually figure out what works truly for us as individuals. And do you have some guiding principles about where women could start? Sure. You know, that people do need different things based on health conditions or activity level, age, things like that. However, there are guiding principles uh, kind of across the board. Um, And I think overall limiting processed foods is a big one. And uh, it's amazing 
how much food is processed out there. And so, and how simple it is to eat. Well, it's not simple, but it's possible. I'll say it's very possible for folks to eat a diet that is very limiting of processed foods. So that's one is limiting processed foods. Um, I also recommend primarily eating fats from foods when possible instead of, you know, drinking oil or things, you know, eating ghee, things like that, that has become fads, like you're saying, keto. Um, and, and there, there are certain health conditions that, um, a keto diet is indicated for, for certain amounts of time. I mean, I believe if someone wants to lose weight, I, I, I don't believe that keto is generally the way to go. But getting fats from food, so that's another guiding principle. So what that would look like is snacking on olives or having avocado, having nuts, things like that. So that's real fat. That's fat in the form of food. The body, the body enjoys that versus adding a bunch of olive oil to things that you're cooking, right? So also this idea that we were talking about earlier, food for fuel. So really working with the body in that way, eating your carbohydrates before exercise or before work, and then eating protein after. Now that's not a hard and fast rule because meals will combine those things. But let's say you um, are doing a big workout at, at 9 a.m., then you may have a, a sweet, big sweet potato at 7.30 in the morning or something. Um, and then you might have a protein shake after. So that is how the body will really enjoy what you're giving it. Um, so that's another, another guiding principle is carbs before the breaking down and then the protein after, which is the rebuilding. <clears throat> another guiding principle is um, just with regard to protein, like fish being wild, uh, local proteins, local eggs. If you live in a place where there's local vegetables, uh, that's, that's fantastic for your health. And then, of course, um, limiting sugar as much as possible. Sugar really affects the, the nervous system. And as I said earlier, it's hard to be in a process of really connecting to, to your mindfulness around eating um, when, when we eat sugar. And yeah, so we don't have to be super hard and strict around it. You know, enjoying a dessert here and there is, is lovely, you know, but really knowing, being aware of what, what sugar does to us and, and asking ourselves, is that the highest and best choice? Like, what do I have to do in the morning tomorrow? Is this the best choice for me right now? Or it's Friday night, I'm going to do this and it's okay if I don't feel great tomorrow. Um, so just being in that relationship with our body. The, the last one that I've, that I've come up with is, um, it's really great to not eat when we're stressed. This can highly affect digestion. This can affect how we are assimilating our nutrients. You know, we have neurotransmitters in our gut and it is 
rough when we eat, when, our, when we're stressed. We may not notice it immediately, but it can have long-term effects. It can have short-term effects. Stress might even be sitting at dinner with your partner and having a, having a conversation that's, that's heightening the nervous system a little bit. You know, asking each other if you can hold off for a little while on the conversation is just a, an act of self-care to your own body. So being aware of that, that's a great thing that we can do. And that one, it just strikes me so much because I'm just thinking about, you know, jobs I've had in the past or, eat, you know, shoving lunch in my mouth as I'm driving somewhere because I'm late and rushing and just how common it is that that we might be hungry and simultaneously in stress for some reason and how much we could miss that you know, how, how hard and actually how much awareness and self-attunement it takes to be eating in a more relaxed state. That's a challenge. Yeah. And, um, also with regard to that, you know, consciously putting your hands on your belly and taking some breaths before you, you eat that apple, you know, and saying, okay, belly, this apple's coming in, you know, a lot of times it just has, um, we're just working on being in more of a connection with that, with that body that we have. And this may sound a little woo woo to some listeners, but, but we have to do more of this as humans. Our health is not improving as a whole and digestion is a major, is a major part of it. Yeah autoimmune disease and, you know, gut bacteria both produce and respond to the same neurotransmitters, GABA, serotonin, dopamine. These regulate mood, cognition, the gut-brain connection, you know, and then, and then we end up taking a lot of pharmaceuticals to help the brain, you know, which isn't, it's not bad, but it would, um, Food helps so much, helps so much. Yeah, it's what I'm aware of. The older I get is how much food can help and how much food can harm. Mm -hmm. You know, like how a, a move even two degrees in the direction of better quality nutrient-dense food can make a huge difference in a person's life in all these areas. Like you're saying, ability to connect, ability to regulate ability to feel well in one's mental state and have energy that's sustainable. Um, and then the opposite can be true. You know, like if we just go move two degrees in the direction of sort of not giving ourselves what we need and what we can process, how much that can affect us. Yeah. And it's, and the food is one piece, but it's also assisting the body with receiving that food. And that's about the mindfulness and regulating the nervous system and making the space in the life to receive the food through, you know, through the calming practices and through the exercise and all of that. So beautiful. Okay. So I'm just imagining myself as the listener and, you know, everybody's going to be coming to this conversation from a different place. And I want to bring up just the complexity and the heaviness that can be there for us as women in relationship to food. So everything you've shared is amazing and it's all great ideas and, you know, people could find lots of information about this, but can you speak to some of the common issues that you've observed working with women over the years and just name some of 
some of the issues, you know, whether it's eating disorders or body image or not feeling entitled to receive pleasure through food. Um, yeah, just what have you seen? And also, what do you recommend for some of those challenges? All of those that you named, I think most of the women that I've worked with have had either an eating disorder or some sort of, you know, body image challenge. I find it so helpful to work with women um, practically because I'm, you know, I'm not a therapist. So I, I enjoy giving women tools like here and now. I, the way I work is if I'm on zoom, I, I help them make a plan for their week. And with regard to food that they're going to fill their fridge with (laughs) and, and also make it fit in their life. So it's different for everyone, depending on what their family is like. Um, You know, do they have kids? Do they have a partner? And uh, what's their job like? And what, what kind of food do they enjoy? And sometimes it ends up being like, you're going to just steam a whole cauliflower and purchase, you know, a cooked chicken and that's it because that's what you have time for. And that's fine. And, um, so the issues that you mentioned are one and another one is like women being so hard on themselves, you know, wanting to set goals coming from a diet of, eating out nearly every night or picking up food to not suddenly being quote unquote perfect. We have this sort of perfectionist thing in our culture. And so what I often enjoy speaking with them about is, gosh, just, just stepping it up a notch with, with health is such a shift, you know, taking a, a walk three times a week, going from zero exercise to taking a short walk three times a week is magic. It's like, you know, night and day. And so um, that's a success and something to be proud of and noticing how it, how it makes you feel. Something else I notice with women is, especially women with children is, um, this idea of feeding themselves last, um, figuratively and literally, but, you know, it's this idea of being on an airplane and putting the oxygen mask on the person next to them before they put it on themselves. And I truly believe that it needs to be like a shift of, when we can in the moments that are possible to really fill ourselves uh, and it may require waking up a half hour earlier in the morning and have having that quiet time that's when there there might be a shift you know some some little magic might happen you know time management and overwhelm with cooking that happens a lot um health issues that are common showing up in women, especially as, as they age or earlier osteoporosis, thyroid challenges, mood issues, you know, almost, yeah, all the time these things are happening and you would be surprised. It's 
I'm working with similar foods with all of these issues. There's not like magical diets that are different from thyroid versus osteoporosis versus weight loss. It's, it's the same. It's anti-inflammatory. It's nutrient density. You know, we do, um, there may be some testing to see if someone has allergies or whatever, but, but it's not, it's not something fancy. I, I so appreciate you saying that. And I want to really emphasize that to the, to the listener, because I think in a way, you know, the dominant culture or, you know, the consumerist culture diet, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And so I think we get these things weaved in our faces, whether it's, keto again, or veganism or, you know, low carb complex. Like there's just all these different fads that we go through. And, and I think in many ways they, it's like waving the golden carrot in front of our faces with the pain that we've been through as women in patriarchy and in white supremacy culture. And it's like, it's a distraction from something that's actually more simple and less complex, which is eat real food (laughs) and, and like figure out how to make a lifestyle around it. And like, you're saying all these things, the relaxation response and healthy connection. And, um, I think we can get so fixated on diet culture, even if it's quote unquote healthy diet culture and it's so damaging and it's so confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, there's not a magic bullet. There's not some, some answer that's like, I have the, I have the ticket, (laughs) you know, it's like you said, eat real food, exclamation point, exclamation point, and listen to your body. Um, I mean, that's it. Yeah. And actually both of those things, listening to our bodies and eating real food have actually become really hard. Like there's a lot of friction and obstacles, even though it's actually quite simple and get support. You know, I mean, we are women, especially well, women and men. I mean, some of us really need support. I am someone who um, really needs support. I have lots of people that I call on for support and various things. And to have someone who you can reach out to, um, whether it's a friend um, or uh, a therapist or whoever it is, a coach, uh, especially if you are changing up patterns that you've had for a lifetime and you've, yeah, you've been in a spiral with it. It can be so helpful to get new tools. Yes. Cause there's lots of tools. We can, we can say eat real food, but it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I love that. And I, just want to double click on that <laughs> getting support. And, you know, I, I'll mention this all in the introduction as well, but you were such an incredible support for me in terms of just feeling in a food rut and getting to work with you was such a gift for me um, to, to just like give a little jump start, a booster to my nutrition world, even though I'm someone who's been into health and nutrition my whole life. Um, but I think we get in ruts or for me, you know, just becoming a mother, my life, the the things that were operating and how I dealt with it prior to motherhood just weren't working once I was responsible in a new way for another human life. So I think like you're saying, when we're trying to change habits or when 
our life changes in a big way. Sometimes we have to go back and become, you know, like have that beginner's mind again with our food or our rest or our exercise. I love this conversation so much, Maria. So um, speaking of support and resources, I'm wondering if you have some of your favorite recommendations, either books or podcasts that you could share with our listeners about where you would send people. Sure. And I could talk about each of these people endlessly, but I will just kind of name them. So um, online, uh, Chris Kresser, Revolution Health Radio, and you can check out his website as well. He's an incredible functional medicine doctor. Um, and then locally, Brandon Lundell at drbrandonlundell.com, B-R-A-N-D-O-N. L-U-N-D-E-L-L. He is um, my hero. He's my doctor and he, uh, he has saved my life. I've been with him for 10 years or so. Can't say enough about him. I love Tara Brock. All of you probably know Tara Brock, but her meditations and talks and just having her tools online and on YouTube for helping to calm the nervous system and overall perspective. I think she's wonderful. Um, I love Terry Walls, W-A-H-L-S. Um, you can find her online. She's a doctor. She speaks a lot about neurodegenerative illness and autoimmune disease. She has incredible tools online. She herself has fought her MS through diet and pretty much completely turned it around. Um, she's very inspiring. And for a fun cookbook, uh, I would recommend Laurel Gallucci. Her cookbook is called Sweet Laurel. And it's a really fun baking book. And so if you're looking for a book of really fantastic treats, it is just wonderful. And she just came out with a savory cookbook as well. So yeah, she's out of California. That's what I have. I love all of those. And and we have to talk about your book, Heartful Kitchen. I, I mentioned it last week on the podcast, but it's incredible. I love it so much. And is it correct that you're writing a new one? Yes, I am, you know, distracted by dance all the time. So it's hard for me to work on my cookbook. <laughs> but um, I am working on another cookbook. It's, it's very similar to Heartful Kitchen. I just have so many more recipes that I want to share. And it's, you know, it's probably three quarters of the way done. And hopefully I'll finish it in the next year or so. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for it to come out and Thank to have you. it. Yeah, it's a, the Heartful Kitchen is like my my kitchen Bible. So I love having oh, good. it. Yeah. Good. Oh, thank you for all of those resources. You got it. So Maria, just one last thing before we wrap up. And it's a question I like to ask at the end of most of my interviews, which is, if you could send any final message to women across the world about their health, what would you most want them to hear? Oh, gosh. You know, I think it's hard. I'm going to say a few because I couldn't think of just one. Um, enjoying life. 
enjoying life. You know, food is life. And when possible, whatever you can do, it depends on the woman that I'm talking to, but get in your kitchen and make it a playground because food is so, it's such magic, you know, light some candles and clean your kitchen and buy yourself a new pan. And it's, yeah, we are what we eat, you know? And so just get in there. And like we were saying earlier, there is no magic bullet and you got to start somewhere. Our health will revitalize organically. Just be in the present moment with it. Mm. Thank you so much, Maria. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah. Thank you, Emma. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember, we each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself in this moment, There is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.